Hey, happy Thursday. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Into the Night Minute, a show where each and every week teams of Movies by Minute podcasters get together and talk about one of the most uh, little known but uh, still a very funny John Landis comedy, the 1985 film Into the Night. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane, this week of, gosh, the Apollo 13 Minute, the Airport Minute, and uh, the Rocketeer Minute. And I'm Hal Bryan, also of the Rocketeer Minute, and uh, obligatorily known as the Airplane Nerd from the Experimental Aircraft Association in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Yes, where there's about to be uh, air ventures uh, as we're recording 2019. And, yes. Uh, you, you and uh, a quarter million of all the fans of Hal Bryan are going to be there, so if you, <laughs> now's the time to go. Yes, we're expecting uh, 600,000 people. And, Holy uh, smokes. And somewhere, somewhere pushing 12,000 airplanes coming in for this. So. Wow, which makes, uh, makes LAX look like a bunch of chumps. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, our little airport does become, uh, when you look at operations per hour, we do become the busiest airport in the entire world for one week. Wow. And, uh, and the rest of the time, it's... Uh, it's just what you'd expect from a quiet little Midwest town. Yes. <laughs> June, July, and winter. I know. <laughs> yes. But, uh, yeah, great, a great place to be. I, I, as, as a personally, I've personally been to, uh, to Oshkosh, and the people there are very friendly, and the food is great, and uh, the sights to see at the EAA are fantastic. So I can hard, yes. heartily recommend it. And uh, everybody who comes gets uh, to meet an astronaut, right, Jim? Yeah, pretty, that's, it happened that's to me when the last time I went there. Yeah, one hundred percent of your trips to Oshkosh have it resulted is, in you hanging out with an it, astronaut. It, it could happen again next time. We'll we'll find out. But uh, we'll yeah, def- definitely worth showing up. I mean, they're going to go there probably more than any other town. They might, other than Houston and uh, Cape Canaveral, they might have uh, more astronauts per capita than any other uh, <laughs> site true. in the U.S. Yeah. And uh, Michael Collins is going to be here in about a month. That's going to yep. be exciting. Carrying so the fire. Yeah, uh, he's one I've never met, so I'm looking forward to that. Wow. Yeah, when, when you might, no, I can't say when you've met one, you met them all. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, Mike Collins, what, a, what, an, amazing, what an amazing time to, uh, to be around. So uh, definitely make, you know, make your travel plans now because uh, seats are filling up and you uh, yes, may, may be sleeping on somebody's living room yes. couch if, uh, if you yeah. don't hurry. Cur- uh, hurry up and catch uh, Aero Norte flight uh, whatever, leaving at gate 53. Yeah, 156, flight 156. Flight 156, there we it is. We never really figured out what Aero Norte, if it's real or not. That's just kind no, of a... It's strangely vague. There, there are two, uh, in history, there have been at least two airlines using that name. Uh, one of them started in Brazil in 1940 and then was was bought out, but then kept its own name, and then it all got uh, rolled into Varig, which is the Brazil yeah. sort of state airline. Um, and that seems to have happened in the 70s. And then right about that same time, there was uh, an airline that later became, I guess it's still in operation, uh, Linus uh, Arius Suramericanus, forgive the uh, dreadful pronunciation, a cargo airline based in Colombia, but they started in 1972 calling themselves Aero Norte, hmm. uh, just flying cargo in, a, in Curtis C-46s, so propeller-driven airplanes, and then DC-6s, wow. also propeller. Um, then they got a Caravelle jet in 86. So at this time, like in 1985, when this movie happened, they would have still been called Aero Norte, but... They would have just been, I think, just flying uh, Colombia, South America, Mexico, the Caribbean. I don't think they would have been coming to L.A. So I think this is a real-sounding airline name uh, in a movie. You know, as you were saying, uh, or we've discussed before, Transglobal. But just happens to also have a real-world counterpart. 
That's my my theory. Yeah, or, you know, or or they were too uh, too poor to sue. So it, exactly. It, it, yeah, it, it would it would work on a, on a Hollywood movie. Um, there, are, I know there are a lot of mo- uh, motion picture uh, airlines like that. Transglobal was basically a property of uh, Universal Studios, which did uh, Airport, and they they were used in just about every. If you tuned on the um, yeah, the Sunday mystery movie on NBC, chances are Banachek or McLeod or one of those were flying transglobal <laughs> because there was just so much equipment laying around. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I remember love, just I really loved McLeod, and I don't really remember anything about it. I just remember Dennis Weaver and seeming like a super nice guy. And then, and in fact, uh, one of my friend's stepmoms, uh, Leslie Parrish, uh, was in Star Trek and a few other things here and there. Described wait, 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 why have you never told me this story that one of your friend's stepmoms was Leslie Parrish? <laughs> well, you can't play all your cards right oh, up front, my. Jim. You got to dole it out once in a while. And they weren't they weren't very close, and he had long since he and his dad had gone through some estrangement and things as well. But but uh, um, anyway, she once described Dennis Weaver as the nicest man in Hollywood, but. The one, the one episode of McLeod I always remember just dying about is his boss was uh, getting on an airliner and traveling somewhere, and he was so excited to be taking some vacation, getting away from work, and he, he just says, you know, it's beautiful weather. He looks out the window as the airplane's taking off, and as I remember all this, and he said, you know, it's just gorgeous out, and there's not a McLeod in the sky. Like, he's so <laughs> glad to be away from this McLeod character. And then I think we pan back, and here's McLeod sitting two rows behind him uh, on the same airplane or something like that. Yeah, the legendary J.D. Cannon. He was, a, like, a great character. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. He's just so dour. Just absolutely no, nothing looks – he doesn't look like he could ever be happy. And uh, yeah, just exactly. a great thing. I'm, I'm still I'm still working off this uh, Leslie Parrish thing. She didn't name her son Adonis, did she? Please, <laughs> no, no. So that would that fact, would be a reason. They to be didn't. Her. Yeah, they didn't have any kids together. Ah. So, um, and by the time she had gotten together with uh, with my friend's dad, he would have been uh, in his early twenties, and you know, well, gone did you, out did about you, his life. Did you ever meet Leslie Parrish? I don't no, know. I never did. Never did meet her. No. So, well, I had, but I, uh, but anyway, you know, it's sort of a yeah, it's a straight connection that's out there. My only childhood friend once, uh, well, not, he wasn't my only child. My only. <laughs> Let's famous, talk about this more, Jim. <laughs> famous, famous, famous other childhood friend thing was my uh, my good friend Peter, who will be on a later on a later show. Um, yeah, we were at a we were at a party once in Westchester County, uh, New York, where we both we both lived, and um, we were at a party in Bedford. Uh, New York, which is kind of a tony little town, and uh, Peter tripped over a, a kid who was visiting at this uh, New Year's party, and uh, it turned out he had he had actually stumbled over ten-year-old uh, Anderson Cooper. Really? And uh, yeah, just every time every time I see him on CNN, I'm like, I remember that kid when he was ten years old. But it, uh, yeah, time flies. It didn't didn't uh, did I just learn? Was it him? His mom was Gloria Vanderbilt. His mom was Gloria Vanderbilt, who just which, passed which, uh, recently. As we're, as right, we're as we're recording this, I, that and I had no idea of their connection until she had passed away, and then finding that out. Yeah. So. Yeah, she you know she was the poor little rich girl who you know the the uh, New York Central uh, uh, fortune, but she really. Gloria Vanderbilt made her, made her name for herself in her own right. I mean, in, in working in fashion and things like that. And right. Who, who doesn't remember uh, Gloria Vanderbilt jeans? Gosh, she uh, changed the world and and you know conquered disco. 
But clearly, she's got to be most famous for being the mother of the kid that your friend tripped over. Of course, yeah. So, and that's, uh, that was well, a, yeah, quite a claim to fame. There's a, there's a claim to fame. But anyway, well, back back to the '80s. Now we're back. Speaking of uh, of that way back when, um, we're looking at uh, Ed trying to get through uh, Los An- LAX without having to pass through. T- he, he, he wouldn't know what TSA if it came up and hit him over the head, um, <laughs> or made him take his shoes off. Uh, but he, he manages to run in and get from parking the car to get to uh, Diana in about, I'd say, airtime of 20 seconds. Something like that, which, yeah. which seems totally plausible and, and doable. I, I tried to find out if there really was a La Cantina cocktail lounge, but unfortunately, Google is not your friend when you have La Cantina and uh, cocktail. Apparently, there are only 20,000 cocktail lounges <laughs> named La, right. La Cantina in, uh, in Los Angeles. Who'd have thunk? That's, but, uh, that's why we use those uh, those wonderful <laughs> generic names. They're they're yes. plausible and <laughs> and yet deniable and all that stuff. The bar, yeah. <laughs> the bar. Yeah, we actually there is a uh, there is a big restaurant sports bar complex in Oshkosh called simply the Bar. Ah. <laughs> so. Yes, there there's a um, there. I know in Worcester, Massachusetts, I used to pass by just about every day on the way to work. Uh, there was a place called He's Not Here. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> You know what? I, in early in this minute, um, there's a couple of little things that I like in this minute. I I, I don't know if I, know, I can articulate why, but um, when you when you see people in a movie like that are in a in a hurry, and we're talking about the kind of hurry where like literally seconds count, yeah. I'm always frustrated uh, when there's too much dialogue or there's exposition or something like that. It's just don't stand here and explain anything. If this were real life. You'd be just running along, and so I love how uh, Michelle Pfeiffer comes running up, or she's looking for uh, looking for Jeff Goldblum, and then uh, you know they meet up, and she just looks at him, and says, "Great," hands him the tickets, and just runs <laughs> off just instantly. <laughs> That's that, that is actually very real to me. That that is, it's like, well, aren't you going to explain where you're going? And it's just no, right. This is not this it's is just, not the plan. And great, and just throw the tickets at him because you know you're you're talking about trying to make this flight that's that's just about to shut down and everything else and in in some movies she she would as you said she would explain everything she was about to do it's like oh i'm so glad you made it ed and you know thank yeah. goodness you're here yes, you know we, we really yeah. have to hurry to get on that flight to mexico and yes yeah, exactly we have to get on that flight to uh, exposition mexico <laughs> and, yes. we'll be flying over exposition park and right. um, the uh and the other thing is she's multitasking as she does she does stick in a little brief bit of why she's doing this but she's doing that as she's stuffing dimes into a into a payphone remember right. that? stuffing and, dimes into a payphone yeah and, and that, uh, those big those islands of payphones that are just yes yeah the little uh, just the, amazing the, the little seas of uh, of you know of, of quiet supposedly right. in the middle and oh gosh what a what what a time that was i mean I, you know it's it's funny i was at a I was at DFW um, a couple of weeks back, and I saw the remnants of a, of a phone bank, and there were all the – they weren't the, the curves. They were just squares, and it must have been maybe 30 yards of where phones would have been, and they're all – you know, it's all gone. There's just like a three – four wires sticking out of the wall. Oh, my with gosh. Left. Isn't that amazing? It's, uh, and you've, you've got – I think we might have even talked about this at the very beginning, but it's uh, – that was – it was as you said, almost a hundred episodes ago that we kicked this this movie uh, movie off. But yeah, add at least this scene to uh, the number of things that would just have very very little dramatic value in a world with cell phones. 
Yeah, I mean, she would have been on the. She would have been calling after they had made the announcement to turn off your cell phones. Right. And she exactly. would have just been holding a finger up to the, or a couple of fingers maybe up to the, uh, up to the flight attendant while she's finishing her call. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's a, a different different world, and it, it wouldn't work nowadays. I mean, think about how many different plots would not work if you had a cell phone nowadays. Um, but it and this uh, through this entire movie. Diana does nothing but make bad decisions. Everything she does is a really... She should never have gone to Switzerland. She should never have picked up an emerald. She never should have done what Hasi wanted her. She never right. should have, you know... She she should have called uh, Jack Caper and, or gone to his house earlier instead of assuming that she he hated her for six months. Um, all these things that she... Every time she makes a, a decision, it's a bad decision. And yet Ed's letting her do it this one last time. And do you uh, think... Uh, do you think Ed has made good decisions throughout this film as we're, we're close to the end and starting to look back a little bit? Uh, you know, I think his, his decision going to the airport was a bad decision. I mean, he was following the advice of Dan Aykroyd to tell him to go to, a, to, go to Vegas and meet a girl who would fulfill his every fantasy. And then <laughs> he was in the process of changing his mind. He parked his car, and if you recall, he was starting the car as right. Diana fell on top of the hood of, her, of his car. He just he made the right decision, but just too late. He could have been out of that whole thing, and then and then just conti- he continued to make bad decisions. He had all these people, you know, chasing after him and, with guns, and he didn't tell the LAPD woman what was going on back in the parking garage. All this could have been solved there. So he just they're both they both really need to work on um, lifestyle management or something. Right, but, and now they're they're getting ready to head to Mexico, presumably to do uh, just that. Yeah, yeah, uh, but their their timing oh. is far off. And uh, hope you know. Uh, and apparently, all those the twenty people that were in the uh, uh, at Shaheen's house are all scattered around, getting ready to go do a bunch of stuff. One of them's going to obviously go to Yakamura Roses to pick up the the jewels, probably Shaheen. And uh, the rest of them are somehow going to make it from Bel Air. I mean, right now he's now. This is this is the problem that I have. Uh, we're getting get a little bit ahead of ourselves, but. They're in Bel Air. He's call, she's calling Bel Air and saying it's at Yakamura Roses. And now they're turning around and running into the plane, and they find their seats and sit down. They just had final boarding, and I don't, I don't recall many final boarding things where you're not thirty seconds away from shutting the door and rolling down the the taxiway. Right. But this is uh, this is Hollywood movie time, so things are gonna go south uh, a little fast unless. <laughs> Maybe she bought the first, the world's first uh, brick phone back back in the day. Oh, that so. could be. You know, I, I had said earlier that there were two things that I liked in this uh, in this minute. I think I said that. If not, there are, and uh, I told you one of them. <laughs> so yes. the the other thing, I don't know why I find this charming, but at the very end of this minute, uh, you know, Jeff Goldblum jumps over the little the little rope, the little yeah. velvet rope, and Diana just walks around it. <laughs> And he's yeah. gone to this extra effort. And so, number one, that's charming. And number two, um, if I can tell a quick story. Sure. From my uh, my storied past, uh, back many years ago when I was uh, in law enforcement, a buddy of mine and I were working, right, you know, driving, riding the same car together, basically working as partners. And uh, there was a call. I don't even remember what the issue was, but we ended up getting, uh, getting in a foot pursuit, having to chase a guy. And... I'm all young and eager and, and uh, you know, I've been on the job just a couple months. And so I'm just running for all I'm worth. And, you know, everybody's kind of coming up behind me. And I see that this guy is ahead of us and there's a fence between us and him. And he's still running. 
So I go sprinting up to the fence and, you know, I don't vault it in one move like Jeff Goldblum does here, but I came about as close as I could and kind of just scrambled up right over the top of it. But then as I'm going over the top, I'm kind of my pant legs hung up for just a minute and, and uh, just a moment, not an actual minute. And as I'm working myself over the fence and starting to get down the other side, here comes my, my buddy, Mr. Slow and Steady wins the race, chugging up, uh, almost just sort of jogging easily up next to me. And he comes right up, I don't know, five feet to my right and opens the gate in the fence that I hadn't <laughs> seen and had no idea was there. And he gives me this up and down look that was just like almost just pure disgust. Like, what is wrong with you? Opens the gate, trots through, closes it, and then just trots out after the guy. And, you know, just about has him cuffed by the time I get unhooked and get there. And uh, he usually takes, likes telling the story more than I do. You know, we're. See, I'm, I'm hearing, I'm hearing the, friends, SWAT, but, the SWAT theme playing yeah, in the background exactly. while you're jumping. And, you know, there I am. I'm thinking, I got this. This is this is cool. I'm fast. I'm running. I'm going to catch the bad guy. And I oh, didn't see Brian the Brian on the case, yeah. Yes, exactly. This was uh, this was in the middle of the night, if that helps at all. So oh, okay. It was a little less visible. But I will never forget that look of sure, just sort of patronizing. <laughs> Whatever. So don't this, look at me like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I somehow, you know, he was Michelle Pfeiffer to my Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, it, uh, anyway, and you were neither of you wound up in Mexico. Well, neither really. Well, we're gonna find out. No spoilers yet. Yes. No spoilers. Come on, but, uh, man. We got a minute uh, after this one. A fun, yeah, a fun action-filled minute. This was a this was a good one. But uh, for folks who want to talk more about uh, uh, running for running for air, airplanes, as we all do, uh, you can find us on social media. Of course, the usual places you can find us out there on Facebook at the King Lives Listeners Limo or on Twitter at Night Minute. And uh, of course, you can pick up previous episodes of this show at uh, nightminute.com and also on uh, streaming, the usual places: Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play, or. Uh, Spotify. Spotify is the new one there. So uh, check that out. Uh, anyway, we're going to finish up the week tomorrow. So uh, check back uh, tomorrow as we continue into the night. Do we thank you or what? I'd say I fall in the or what category. 